Welcome to another episode of Strategy and Sourdough. Honor and I have an interesting guest in our virtual studio today. Uh, we have Kata Yuvonen with us today. Welcome, Kata. Thank you so much, and thank you for the invitation. So excited to be here with you. Likewise. He's joining us from Burning Man, it seems. Yes, I was just saying when I joined the meeting that I have last week's background image here still from Burning Man. I was speaking in another event last week, which was related to that, but this gives a very nice segue to, to talk about what, what what on earth am I doing? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it is a great background, so we're, we're glad you have it. It's an entertaining way for us to have a discussion today. Yes, Playa is beautiful. Yes, it really, really is. So just a quick introduction. So Kata is a global international communications lead at Smartly.io. Smartly is essentially a social advertising automation platform, over 500 employees around the world. And Kata, you yourself are a communications leader. Over 10 years of experience before Smartly, you've had different positions at communications agencies, in marketing teams, communications teams, as well as also an interesting internship at the United Nations, which I was really fascinated about as well. So welcome again to the show today. Thank you. So let's start off by uh, talking a bit about Smartly. I think it's really important because today we'll spend um, a lot of time talking about internal communications and communications in general and the value of it in growing companies. But it's useful, I think, for all the listeners to get a bit of a glimpse of what Smartly is all about and your role there. Yes. So as you said, we are an ad tech company, not a startup anymore, a growth company, definitely. We have actually over 550 people, 50 people now all around the world, from Sydney to San Francisco. So we really have a foothold across the world, which of course brings another set of challenges. Our purpose intention is to make social advertising easy, effective and enjoyable uh, with our platform and services. And we bring together media buying, creative and data to optimize digital advertising. And we get to work with one of the, the greatest brands around the world, for instance, with eBay, Uber, Textile and T-Mobile. So we're really lucky with our customers. And we, of course, learn a lot from them as well. And we've been growing our business with our customers. It's very essential to our being. And if I say a few words about me, you already covered my history there nicely. But yes, I've been working in communications for the past 15 plus years. And I've been doing both external and internal in-house and as consultant. And yes, I did a bit of detour in the UN world as well. That was not my best place to be. So I've taken another route after that, but it definitely gave me a good glimpse of that world. But then during my career, I've been moving towards internal communications more and more. I do appreciate a lot the external as well, but my, my true passion lies there in the internal communication strategy, strategy and engagement employee experience. And that's what I've done at Smartly for the past two plus years now. I joined the company when we were about 350 people. So we've grown, well, not that fast anymore, but I have to say as a curiosity that we've hired over 200 people during the global pandemic. So it's been an interesting experience to say the least in the remote setting. We've been fully remote more or less the whole time. So it has certainly brought a lot of new flavor to the internal comms as well. How many people were there at Smartly when you joined? Do you remember? 350 or so. I think I was employer number 384. And what is the role of internal communications? Can you give us a glimpse into what you do at Smartly? Absolutely. I think before I even answer that question, I would like to define what we mean by internal communications. 
I don't know whether this me, me being very nerdy or just sensible, but I think if you ask anyone, you'll get a little different answer uh, when we talk about internal comms. So at Smartly or in my world overall, I don't talk about very traditional or old school approach, like top-down sharing information, internet news, and maybe some campaigns and that's that. But but for us, internal comms refers to all our internal practices, processes. Of course, tools and channels are included there, but also activities, our interactions with what we communicate and interact with each other. So it's not definitely only those big leadership presentations and tools that we have or Slack posts, but it's a more wider approach, definitely. But I think independent of the size of the company or in which stage it is, internal comms has three key roles. Internal communication informs, engages, and creates direction and clarity. And we can dive deeper into those, what I mean by that, but I think those are the, the three key elements that internal communication should be doing, independent of the size of the organization. So definitely informing, that's more of the traditional part, I'd say. So enabling the information flow across the organization that relates to tools and channels and the practices and processes, how we make it easier for all the audience. Engagement is super, super important. And I think we might dive a little deeper with that later as well. But how do we engage people? Do our employees feel seen, heard and understood? How do they fit into the puzzle, independent whether we're five people or 500 people? What's their role in the big picture? And how we use engagement metrics, pulse surveys, community building, bringing people together to create the sense of community. And then what I think is super important, again, independent of the size of the organization, is how we create direction and clarity. How do we inspire with purpose, vision, mission, and create a shared goal and maybe a roadmap or a strategy, whatever you want to call it, that everybody is working towards the same direction. And then I would mention also that leadership and supporting team leads in their communication, that's of a sense for internal communication as well. Yeah, that's really interesting. These three things, I probably argue that a lot of people that have started startups and have found their product market fit and are looking to scale will probably consider the first part, I would argue. As you mentioned, that's kind of the more traditional way of viewing internal communications you know, informing people of what's going on and things like that. But I, as you rightfully pointed out, I'd love to kind of talk a little bit more about the engagement part, because you mentioned it as creating a sense of community, making sure people are heard and understood. If we put ourselves into the shoes of a of startup founder or a marketer who's about to scale the company, there may be some pivots coming on board. There may be that mix of, you know, raising capital and finding clients and customers and scaling the business and all that type of stuff. How important do you think in that stage, the engagement part of it actually is? I think if you have a handful of people or, I don't know, a couple of tens of people in a startup, they're probably pretty enthusiastic about whatever your mission and purpose there is already because they've joined your organization. But it's not self-evident that it stays. So I think it is important to do that and important to put focus on that, whether it is internal comms job, whether it is people team, HR team job. But I think it's the whole organization's job. It's never either or just the one. And as you scale your organization, things change. And it can feel a little uncomfortable for people, especially if you've been aboard since the very beginning. It's very different to be five people, 50 people, 150 people, not to even mention 500 people. 
and it change feels uncomfortable even even for us professionals of change it feels very uncomfortable so that's when you really need to ensure that people are engaged and their their employee experience is as it should be and you have some sort of data to measure it as well as part of the growth journey everything that you mentioned regarding building a community or uniting people around the common vision sounds like things are important for people outside the company as well it's important for the investors it's important for potential new employees that are looking to join the company or even the broader public at large so how do you connect or work together with external communication how does it fit within the whole communications strategy of a company yes a very very good question if internal comms is left in a silo to do whatever their own business it's not going to be very successful and i don't know whether the right question is how does it belong to the broader marketing strategy but i think the question is more of where does internal communication belong in the organization so that it actually can do its job properly and internal comms has a lot of best friends marketing is one of them for sure and i think marketing communications or external communications is one of the key stakeholders period there's no doubt about it internal comms needs to have a seat at the table with the leadership as well as so that they actually get good understanding of what's going on how the strategy is being tweaked what's going on mnas investment round so on and so forth because uh, all that affects what's going on in the organization i mentioned people and hr already but it could be also operations team who handle tools but i think internal comms has the the heavy burden or the enjoyment depends how you look at it of being very connected across the organization and being so much out of the silos as possible but coming back to your actual question how does it relate to marketing and external communication one of my favorite communication runs is that internal is external and external is internal if they are not aligned we're not going to be sharing a consistent story and the messaging needs to be the same of course we tweak it a bit to different audiences and internally we can share certain things that we can't share outside but if they are not speaking with each other and in sync we we're going to create some trouble at some point And I also think in today's world where everything is readily shared into Twitter and places like that I think the risk especially for a growing company that something that's communicated internally you should almost assume that whatever you're going to share internally is going to be leaked and shared anyway so you have to be able to communicate in ways that you that you know I can see the light of day uh, and it's important in today's world isn't it Yes, I couldn't agree more with that. And well, I touched upon employer branding and employee experience already there. And I think we discussed earlier about a question how can internal comms help talent attraction and retainment. So if the internal stuff is not in order, employer branding can't do shit, pardon my French. But then they're just kind of like painting picture that doesn't exist and if it's not reinforced internally, come on it's it's not an easy task for any super marketer either so that needs to be in order so that people can do their marketing job better i want to ask about employer branding can you elaborate on that a little bit because we talk a lot about building brands in the context of startups and where does employer branding fits within the overall brand that the company is trying to is it a separate thing or is it uh, it goes under the main brand Yes, I'm not an employer branding like super professional myself. I can talk about it 
uh, a bit, but it's not my deepest expertise. But if we're saying, do we have separate brands or kind of like a, a sidetrack here? Again, they need to be aligned. We can be talking about something completely different. But if we think about employer branding, what's our employer value proposition? What type of an, a, a workplace do we want to be? And of course, that relates to both our kind of like marketing value proposition, but also our culture and values. And they combined probably would then be our employer value proposition. And like, what do we promise our employees and, and prospects, future employees to be? And now I get to my favorite rant. Employer branding is nothing without employee experience. As I said, if the internal is not in order, people will vote with their feet and employer branding has really hard time painting a picture that doesn't exist. And I think employee experience has been one of the, the buzzwords of the past years as well. We started with customer experience, but now the, the flip side is the employee experience. And that's yet another set of interesting discussions. What is it actually? Who owns it? Who's responsible for that? What is it? A compilation of. And of course, it's a very, very complex thing. It starts from the signing until, well, past your employee journey with a certain employer. And it's not only communications, it's not only your team lead, but it's also the technology, the, the workplace and the workspace, your benefits. What kind of recognition do you get, culture and values, and all this plays into the employee experience. And if that's not in order, it's really hard to do employer branding. And it's really hard to engage people if your employee experience is not top-notch, especially in organizations where you need, say, developers who are a very scarce resource, at least in some areas, at least the super good ones. So we put a lot of emphasis around that work at Smartly. Yeah, that's definitely important at the moment. And it, it goes back to some of the things that we were speaking about earlier, right? A lot of people have become increasingly vocal publicly about the experiences that they have inside of companies. And, and if that people are vocal, not, not just from a negative perspective, but they can be vocal positively too. So it can actually turn into quite a nice growth lever for you for attracting the best talent. If the word goes out there, that the experience is really um, special at a company. Yes. And I think a lot of in my past life, I worked with a lot of big corporations as well, and we were developing employee ambassador programs for them. So how do we engage our own employees to, well, as you said, speak nicely about us? Not necessarily forced, but assisted a bit. But as when it's super organic, that's the best way. Like our people are so excited about us that they just want to spread the joy without any gentle nudging, but they do it on their own terms. That's when we know we've done something right. Yeah, for sure. When you have a scale-up or um, a startup that's growing, at which point of that growth journey would you recommend internal communications becoming a focus point, really? And, and by focus point, I mean sort of investing hard dollars into bringing a person to focus on that, as well as putting some monetary effort into building internal communications practices beyond the founder doing the informing bit that you mentioned earlier but also focusing on the engage and the direction and clarity parts as well. Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And I would say that there is no black or white answer to that. And I think it's worth mentioning before going deeper is that, well, as you said, there is always internal communications independent, whether people actually realize it. And uh, 
it's usually the CEO or the, the CEO that handles the internal comms sort of as a side job or someone who just like naturally takes the role. I've heard a saying that you should have the first internal comms person when you hit 100, 150 people or a couple of hundred. I said that I joined smartly when we were 350 people. And I think we, and I was the first one. I was the first one with internal comms title. We had had people who had a corner from here or another corner from there, but nobody had really been looking at the, the entity. And I believe that we would have benefited having someone a bit earlier because there was a quite a bit of cleaning up to do when I joined. But I think the, the relevancy of when, when it's kind of like the sweet spot is when the natural processes start to break. And by that, I mean like, yes, how does it work organically when you have the handful of people, a couple of tens of people, when you can put in Slack the announcements that, hey, quick announcement in the kitchen, everybody come. When, when that doesn't work anymore, at some point you will need to start thinking about how do we build structure around this. Structure, of course, sounds very scary for super startupians, like, ooh, bureaucracy, but, but I hope you understand what I mean by that, that somebody is thinking about how we do this in a sensible way. Yeah, for sure. I had a follow-up question on that, actually. Let's assume that the company is 40-50 people, right? So it's getting slightly more difficult to do internal communications, but the founder is still doing it, or one of the founders is still doing it. Is there a role then for external consultants in this picture? You know, let's assume that there isn't really a plan yet to appoint a full-time person and getting somebody and an investment into to do that. How do startup founders or startup marketers educate themselves on this? Good question. I don't know how they would educate themselves on that, but maybe you somehow partly touched upon the, the topic whether you can use external resources. And I think certain parts of internal comms you can outsource, but it can never be fully outsourced. Like somebody who's not actually working in the organization, well, maybe they can do the job, but not as well as somebody who is an insider. Of course, you can hire a consultant to be an insider as well. Like not bring them on for a period of time to, to start building structures or do tool implementations and do a bit of a project of kind of like building the foundation and then maybe somebody takes over that. But it's really hard for somebody, I, and I speak from experience, having done some sort of uh, internal comms consultation projects as well, that it's really hard to be on the pulse as you would need to be as an internal comms person. And like you mentioned, people are reluctant for change. It's always difficult to drive change, especially if you're an outsider. Yes, yes. There are good and bad parts for being a consultant in-house. You can always close the door. You don't have to face the problems that you have there. But it's really hard to tackle the actual problems if you don't have access to the root causes of those. You mentioned earlier that there was quite a lot of change that needed to happen at Smartly as well when you joined. I'd love to provide like a concrete example of some of the things that you brought on to the company, because I think those always spark some really interesting ideas with the listeners. So if you can talk about maybe an initiative or a program or a change that you made that has created positive momentum within the company, that would be great. Yes, my favorite topic. When I joined, I was amazed of our culture and values and how we how we communicate and how communicative the organization to begin with was and how well our leadership understood the value of communications and the level of collaboration, the transparency and everything like big corporations would pay any amount of money to have that what was existing already at Smartly at that point. But 
all the basic stuff was broken. Nobody was owning the tools that we were using for internally communicating. Nobody had ownership of the big picture. Nobody was kind of like holding people accountable or creating any consistency. So what I did to begin with was, which might sound super boring, but sometimes the very basic stuff is a bit boring, just to create a framework. How does our internal communication come together? What are the tools and the channels and what do we use them for? Defining all those and kind of like use cases. If you do this, then you do it here. If you do that, then you have another tool for that. Or should we actually put that out and and start using something else? And then also educating that to people. And of course, if you're scaling fast, you have newcomers coming regularly. So how do we onboard those people in the ways of working uh, in our organization? And what I found interesting or challenging or (laughs) a pile of shit that had to be just dealt with was that with a lot of freedom, people get to choose tools that they want to use for whatever purposes, a lot of self-management in teams, which should be the case, but that might lead to a situation where like everybody's doing their own thing and we need to align things. Or somebody just took a tool in use but never really thought what it was used for, but and nobody really had ownership of it. And somebody just started building somewhere content, but that hasn't been looked at in two years. And it's just like there was a lot of old outdated stuff that needed to be well dealt with. Maybe that's the best way to put it. And kind of like trying to make sense and clarity for the things that existed already. And to have people take ownership, because, well, this is not directly answering your question, but it's an important point to make, is that internal communication doesn't do all the communication in the organization, period. Everyone is a communicator. And not to communicate is not an option, because if you're not communicating, that's sending a message as well. My second favorite rant in comms talk. But internal communications role is to be a facilitator, an enabler, to bring the alignment, consistency, and hold people, leadership very much included, hold them accountable in the ways of working and that we've agreed that we do together. But everyone has a role in internal communications. Like there's no way one person or team of five or even 10 can do all the communications. And that's not the idea either. I like to ask about the processes and the tools that you introduce. I had a little experience, not in the field of communications, but on uh, digital marketing tools. And I found that generally one of the most difficult things is to get people to establish a new process or start using a new set of tools. So did you have resistance and how did you overcome that? How did you convince people to give it a try? I'm laughing here on on the screen. I'll tell you a story. Everybody uses some sort of group chat tool nowadays. And when I joined Smartly, we were using a tool called FlowDoc. It's very similar to Slack, but a pretty ancient tool at this time. And there there was a legacy reason why it was in use. Its founder and a lot of ex-FlowDocians were working at Smartly. And we had built a lot of integrations to that tool. But it was self-evident that it needs to be changed at some point because it's not maintained, it's not going to be developed anymore, and it just needs to be changed. But boy, it was painful. And it was a big, big project to get everybody on board and also kind of like deal with the change resistance. It is a hard job as well to to try to, to convince those 
who are very stuck with the old. And it's totally understandable. Like if you've done something for six years, like you don't want to change. That's a, like a super core human nature thing. If it isn't broken, don't fix it. Exactly. But it would have been broken at some point. That's the thing. Like, you know that this is not sustainable anymore and it needs to go. But what we did was that we had a lot of discussions. We engaged a lot of internal stakeholders. We chose from each team a Slack ambassador who engaged to build the tool with us. And we did a lot of work to get it to the same level with the implementation, more or less the same level. Now, if somebody is listening, there's that, but it wasn't that. Yes, we did develop it towards that. But eventually, like my team lead at the time, our previous CEO, I said, this was the best software implementation that we did in this organization. So I got a nice check mark on that as well. But it was hard work for sure. And the change resistance, I think that's a very relevant point in the field of internal communication as well, because we need to somehow manage that and, and manage the change, whether it's tools or whether it's just how our organization is evolving and how our, our culture is evolving. And as I said, if you've been on board since the very beginning, of course, it's, it was very different at that time than it is 150 people, 350 people, and it feels different. And then it comes to the point, and this is maybe a little off topic of our discussion today, that are you a startup guy? Do you really want to be in the very early stage? Is that your jam? Or then do you want to evolve with the company and learn new stuff with that? Because as you grow, things change, period. But if you're not willing to do the process with the company, then you might need to go and and do something else. Because nobody wants those who are just complaining all the time, saying like, no, but previously everything was so much better and, and this is not as it used to be. Of course, it's not. There's no going back. It's like it's not available what we had at some point. And the good thing about that is that, for instance, our organization and our founders, they're living the dream. They raised flipping 200 million euros a year and a half ago. And they're like they're building the unicorn. Kind of like, I don't know, not necessarily every startup founder has the same dream, but but they're doing it. But it feels different now than it did. In the beginning. Very good, very good. Let me attempt to summarize a few of the points that we've been talking about. So in the beginning, you mentioned that internal comms is really not about being top down and just literally just sending out CEO memos. It's about the internal practices, the activities, the interactions, and how the company communicates together and with its employees. And these three key roles that you mentioned informs. So that's kind of the more traditional view of internal comms, engaged. So here, really making sure people feel heard, understood, and creating that sense of community. And then that direction and clarity. So the roadmap and vision of the company, making sure that that's really ingrained in everything that, that we do. And you also mentioned that really these three things are important, independent of the size and the scale of the company. But especially when you scale your, your business, things start changing and change feels uncomfortable. And that's when internal comms really becomes an a key strategy to keep the company culture and vision going through all of that change. And because of that, it should never be thought in a silo. Uh, It should be connected to marketing, external communications, have a seat at the leadership table, and also with operations people um, and HR. And really that employee experience is absolutely key to this. The entire journey of what people say about the company and internal communications is just there to facilitate that experience. 
And we spoke a little bit about when a startup might actually invest in internal comms. I think you brought up a really interesting point. Well, internal comms exist in every company, even if it's one person or two people. It's basically, how do you put more strategy behind it? But when you do hit that 150, 200 people point in your growth stage, maybe you should look at a dedicated person to look at this. And when naturally those processes start to break, you really need somebody to manage the process of internal communication. And you also spoke a little bit about a starting point. Well, looking at the tools, looking at the frameworks, looking at the channels in which internal communication happens, in other words, a strategy, Honor and I often talk about the importance of a strategy, but an internal communication strategy is really important because everyone is a communicator anyway. How do we make sure that the communication strategy is aligned internally so that we can facilitate and enable that effective internal communication and drive the company in the right direction, especially important when we're growing? And then finally, when you are implementing new tools and processes, involving the teams in implementing these new things will be a key factor in the success of the company. Anything that I might have missed there that you wanted to still highlight or talk about? I'll mention one thing, and I think it relates more to the growth. When we start building teams and you have team leads, and there is a bit more structure in the organization as well. Not everybody's just self-managing themselves. Supporting the team leads is super important because they do the day-to-day and they enable the teams to, to execute their work. And oftentimes in in startups, you have pretty new people. They might be in a team lead position for the first time. So how do we support their work? How do we train them both in the communication, but also in the team lead work? I I think maybe this is my third comms rant. 90%, 70% of, of leadership and change is communications. So how do we enable the team leads work? and support them in building trust and nurturing trust and and creating psychological safety in the team so that they can execute and move fast and do good decisions. Excellent. I really like that. 90% of leadership is communication. It's very good. (laughs) Maybe the last 10% is strategy, very close to our hearts. (laughs) Yeah, we can can debate over the percentages, but somewhere along those lines. Let's negotiate and arrive at 15, 85. Yes, sounds sounds good. That makes honor and I... our, our hearts are very happy. Or 50, 60, he will get the joke. Yeah, <laughs> very common finish saying. Always give 110%. Yeah, exactly. Well, Kata, thank you very much for today. Really enjoyed the conversation. There's a lot of great stuff here for our listeners today. Um, and thank you for spending the time with us and, and imparting your knowledge with our listeners. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And I, I got very excited to share my rants. That's my principle. A rant today keeps you going. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Kata. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Strategy and Sourdough. We'd love to get any feedback, questions, or topic suggestions you may have. Drop us a line at hello at strategyandsourdough.com. 